0: I just want to mention one announcement that wasn't made in the prior announcements. Uh, We need to remember Conrad Bell, some of you will remember him, and his family. Uh, He stayed home this semester because of the illness of his mother, and she passed away on October 8th from cancer. So those of you who know him, I'm sure he will appreciate your prayers for the family. I want to take a few remaining moments today at the request of the cabinet and uh, share with you some things that I have prepared in a report that I did for the board meeting coming up. I have never done this in chapel. I usually open my Bible and away we go in studying some text. But I think it's important for me to give you a perspective. Some of you have uh, said, why are you around here all the time lately? And uh, I have been. Over the last... uh, Two or three weeks, I've been here pretty much nonstop, and I will continue to be here uh, about the same way. Now, next week, I'll be gone to Washington, D.C., but after that, I'm going to make my office here on the the campus, and I'm going to be doing my sermon preparation and book writing, whatever else I do, from here. And I I just want you to know why. The the simple answer is because I love to be in this place, and I've decided that uh, I'm just going to take up residence. The more complicated one is I need to give myself to the leadership and the future and the direction of the college, because we're sitting on the threshold of some tremendous, tremendous things. And I just want you to know where we're going with these things. Uh, This fall has been very challenging for us, and uh, what it's done for us is is throw us back into a time of tremendous examination and planning and work uh, to come up with kind of an assessment of where we are and a plan for the future. And I've just put some things in this plan, and I'll, I'll basically share some of them with you as I go. But I'm very excited about what God is doing right now. This is a very refining time. It's, it's a very dynamic time. Tremendous amount of energy going on internally in our administration and throughout our faculty as we're working to take this school right now to another level. As you know, since 1985, when the Lord brought me here, uh, sort of kicking and screaming somewhat reluctantly to become the president. Um, since that time, I've been pretty much absent and trying to to be what I need to be as the pastor of Grace Community Church, which is my ministry, and also to do the other things like writing and, and speaking and traveling and preaching in other parts of the world. But the Lord has pressed upon my heart that right now, this is where I need to be, and the focus of my life needs to be directed here at the Masters College, and there are a number of reasons for that, and I'll try to share them with you as I go. But just in general, at the outset, I want to say I'm, I'm really excited, I'm, I'm tremendously energized, I keep getting good news. I, I don't know if I mentioned it to you or not, but a year ago they told me, I went to the doctor and he said I, I was a very likely candidate for coronary um, arterial disease if I didn't already have it and I was going to have to have bypass surgery. Uh, or they were going to have to do angioplasty to keep me alive. And uh, I said, but I don't have any symptoms. They said, well, that's what all the tests show. Mm-hmm. And uh, I've never been sick. I missed three Sundays in 25 years at Grace Church because of the flu. So I don't ever have anything. And I don't feel sick. I feel great. And So the doctor said, well, you know, when they tell you, you could die. So uh, we want you to take some tests and all this. So I did. I took all the tests, and all the tests were negative, And they reversed the whole verdict. And uh, the last test I got was last week. I got the final on this exotic blood test they gave me, and they said I had the blood of a 15-year-old. The bottom line is I'm getting younger. I'm not getting older. And uh, I have tremendous amount of energy and enthusiasm and uh, excitement about what God is doing. I feel like somebody just gave me back, you know, some years. And then I had my dad down here to preach at the church on Sunday. And some of you may have heard him preach. He's 80 And he was firing on all jets, and so, uh, you know, I think i got a few good years left, and I'd like to fire a bunch of them at the college right about now. So that's kind of where my heart is, and I'm really excited about what God is doing here, and I want to share some things with you so you'll understand. Now, uh, just to start with, what triggered all of this was we were down in enrollment this fall. And we were down a little bit last fall, but we were down a little more this fall. And we were really shocked by that. Frankly, we didn't expect that. And so immediately uh, we said, we got to find out why. I mean, there's no sense bailing water if you can't find a hole in the boat, right? we got to s- stop the leak, and then we'll, we'll worry about getting the water out of the boat. So we decided to take a good, hard look at why we were down in enrollment. Well, of course, being down in enrollment means we don't get as much income. That meant a million dollars short. Now, a million dollars is a lot of money. So here we are down in enrollment, which gives us a million-dollar shortfall, And we're asking the question, how did this happen, why did it happen, and how are we going to fix it so it doesn't ever happen again? So we have a short-term problem, make up the million. We have a long-term problem, get back on a growth level with our student enrollment so we don't have this problem again. Short-term, we've got to have money. Long-term, we need to keep building the college. Now, since 1985, we have grown rapidly. In fact, we've been the fastest-growing Christian college in America, if not the fastest-growing college of any kind. And then all of a sudden, two years ago, it was like something stopped, and we went backwards a little bit, and then this year we went backward again in terms of our enrollment. We surveyed and searched internally, and there's nothing systemic or endemic, nothing internal in the very life of the college that could account for that. we got the same wonderful faculty, we got the same stuff going on in student life, the same enthusiasm, uh, the same... Uh, evidence of God's hand and God's blessing, and there's nothing internally. And, you know, you're always looking around for, is there an Achan in the camp who's going to make us lose the next battle? Is there somebody burying treasure in his tent that's going to make us all pay for this deal? And no. Examining our hearts and looking internally and saying, is is something not happening in terms of, of academics or student life or, or whatever it might be? Uh, and as we surveyed that, we said, absolutely not. In fact, we continue to be aggressive in developing everything we can internally to make things better and better and better. It's going the right direction, not the wrong direction. So we began to look and try to identify some of the problems. And this is what, basically, I'm going to present to the board some of the things that I came up with. And I want you to get an idea of what we're talking about. The number one thing I think that hit us, or one of two main things that hit us, was the absence of promotion. Uh, We we've always been very aggressive in promotion. We have spent money there. I've been on the road. We had a group called Master Design that was out up until two years ago. We were traveling the country. They were on the road for a solid year in a different church every night. That's a tremendous plus in promotion. I was doing shepherds conferences, shepherds uh, uh, seminars. I was doing radio rallies in all the major cities and all the population pockets of America moving around rapidly. We had a national magazine called Masterpiece Magazine, which profiled the college, and it was being mailed to well over 100,000 people uh, regularly. We had a tremendous amount of promotion. We were doing some stuff on Grace To You Radio that was that was putting the college before people, and this thing was was really moving at a high clip, and it, it just kept the, the leading edge out there. People knew about us. I mean, when I would go from city to city to city on a very intensive schedule and have 500, 600 pastors for, for two days, I could really do a job promoting the college with them, and we saw the fruit of that kind of thing. Two years ago, that was being funded by an outside source. Two years ago, that stopped. And because we're new and we're young, and because there's always a new crop of kids coming along, we got out of the marketplace a little bit, and we lost that cutting edge in promotion. The net effect of that, this year, we had 2,000 less inquiries. That translates into 60 students, because about, well, there's percentage numbers. Out of so many inquiries, you get so many applications. Out of so many applications, so many admissions, out of so many people who are admitted, you get so many actual students. Losing 2,000 inquiries translated into losing 60 students. That is exactly the shortfall. So you could account for it just because we had fewer inquiries, because we lost that sort of promotional edge. I picked up a magazine just a week ago that has all of the ads for the current college Christian colleges. have a Christian college section. We aren't there. And when we're not in the competition, just by being mentioned and named and placed there, we kind of slide out of the game a little bit. So those things have affected us. Some of our internal uh, resources should have been used for that, and they were used for other things, and those are decisions we have to readdress. What are we going to do about that, man? we got some exciting things going on. We're going to change that. In fact, I'd like to think we can raise our inquiries not only 2,000, but maybe 4,000, and maybe more. And we've got a strategy going in place right now to make that happen. The, the country is going to know the Master's College exists. I mean, they're going to know it, and they're going to know it big. We're going to target where we need to target. That is very, very important for us. And uh, we may even get you involved in this process in your home church. And if you came from a high school, maybe a Christian high school, or you have connected with your church, a Christian school, or whatever it might be, we're going to show you some resources that you can help us with. We're going to get your parents involved in this. We're going to get alumni involved in it. Uh, we got a strategy that's being uh, developed now by some professional people who are going to lay that strategy on us, and then we're going to do our best to implement that thing very effectively. We're really thrilled and excited about this. There was a second component, and I I won't go into all of the specific detail uh, about this stuff. Let me just add another thing. We're going to use our best people, our best communicators all over the place in churches and schools and everywhere, communicating, preaching, teaching, uh, so that we can get our profile as wide as possible using the expert people we have on our administrative team and on our faculty. But the second thing that really did hit us, and we didn't, I'm sure, calculate how it would affect us, was when we dropped the psychology program. Over a period of years, we have systematically transitioned out of traditional psychology courses, into a biblical counseling track in the Bible department. That was a principle decision. That was a decision based upon Scripture, based upon what we believe about the Bible. And that is that people's lives are transformed by God and the Holy Spirit through the principles revealed in Scripture. And that human secular psychology really brings nothing to that transforming process. There are things you can study psychologically, you can categorize human behavior, you can learn things about why people do what they do. You can you can psychology can look and and sort of categorize human behavior, just can't change it because change is the work of the spirit of God through the word of God. So we wanted to move out of the typical psychology thing into a very cutting edge state of the art dynamic biblical counseling track in the Bible Department. And you might be interested to know that right now it is the largest track in the whole Biblical Studies division. And it's going to get larger and larger and larger because it is a tremendous program and there are going to be more and more people flooding into it. The whole psychology movement, the syncretistic um, psychology movement, is really coming on hard times. And you can begin to see it. There is a there is a movement beginning now. It's main... Uh, its main identity comes in an organization called Nank, the National Association of Neuthetic Counselors, which is another name for biblical counseling. That organization is beginning to grow and grow as people are coming out of the psychological area because it's not returning the dividends it promised. And they're coming toward the Word of God. There is a tremendous movement in this direction. And these people who are really the leaders in this movement see our school as the flagship program to send people to be trained in biblical counseling. And it's not just throwing a bunch of Bible verses at people, as you well know if you're in the program. There are going to be seminars. There are going to be all kinds of conferences going on across America. I've been asked to keynote the, the annual convention of this association next year. Uh, that We had last year's convention at Grace Church. This is going to be an absolute bonanza. People have problems. The problems are deep. The problems are spiritual. They have to have solutions, and the solutions are going to come in the Word of God. And not everybody is called to be a preacher not everybody is called to be a teacher, but people who want to use their, their lives to make a difference in the lives of other people are going to be equipped in our biblical counseling program to do just that. As you know, we've had Dr. Bob Smith and now Dr. Wayne Mack in that area. That will grow, that will flourish, and that will develop. But listen to this thought. Over the last three years, in dropping our psychology program, we lost 180 students. Now, 180 students translates into a lot of dollars. If you figure the cost of coming here in a year and just multiply that times 180, you're pushing $2 million. If we had not dropped psychology, give us back even half of those students, give us back the 60 we had on the cutting edge if we were doing promotion, and we would be at budget and maybe 100 over budget. In other words, we would have maintained our growth at the same speed we were growing before the last two years. Cutting promotion was something we really didn't do purposely, Cutting psychology was something we did do purposely. The combination of of those things did impact us. But given enough time, that biblical counseling thing is going to come back, and it's going to come back and become a flagship program. There's not one Christian liberal arts college in America that has that kind of a program. We're going to become the mecca for people who want to come in and have that level of training. And you're going to find that it is really, really going to become something significant. Uh, two weeks ago, three weeks ago, I was in Montreal, and I had uh, dinner with a man named Richard Gans. Richard Gans is a, is a Ph.D. in psychology who has written a book. The title of the book is Psycho Babble. It was published by Crossway Publishers. Fascinating book. Let me tell you a story about Richard Gans very briefly. Richard Gans, Jewish guy, terrific guy, just a sharp, sharp guy. Came out of his Ph.D. in psychology, took a job with the New York State Mental Health Association. They assigned him to a mental institution in the state of New York. He went in there to be a practicing clinical psychologist and psychotherapist with these people. He was working with one guy who for four and a half years hadn't said anything. Hadn't uttered a word. Hadn't spoken. Four and a half years he has not said anything. Just wanders around in dead silence. Nobody could get him to talk. He tells about this in his book. Nobody could get him to say anything. Now Richard was... In the process of discovering Christian truth, remember he's Jewish, he came to Christ and was converted. And then he writes about the fact that now as a Christian, he felt he had a new possible kind of therapy. So he got this guy who hadn't said anything for four and a half years, and he got out his New Testament. He said, I'm just going to try reading the Bible to him. So he sat down with this guy and he started reading the Bible. And the guy said, what are you reading? First thing he'd said in four and a half years. So what are you reading? He said, I'm reading the Bible. He said, Read more, I like that. He kept reading the Bible to the guy, the guy became converted. He became a Christian. Then he wouldn't shut up. So what does he do? He's going all through the mental hospital witnessing. He's giving everybody the gospel. And Richard Gans saw the power of God to do what psychotherapy couldn't do, what lithium, thorazine, librium, and any other medication couldn't do. He saw the power of God in the life of that guy. You know what happened? They moved the guy to a more severe level of mental illness. They reclassified him as even more severely ill than he was when he didn't say anything, and they fired Richard Gans. And now he's the pastor of a church in Ottawa, Canada. And he wrote the book Psycho Babel. That whole area is so fouled up and so far from being able to see people transformed. We are now on the cutting edge in this area. And what God is going to do through that department in the future is going to be great. We're getting, I get applications all the time from people who want to come and teach in that area. And as it continues to grow, uh, we're going to see a tremendous faculty developing. By the way, along that line, We are just now finishing a book written by the faculty here called Rediscovering Biblical Counseling. It is a first-class, four- or five-hundred-page book that is going to be published by Word in March or April, and it will become the definitive text on this field. Our faculty here are contributing to that, including myself, Wayne Mack, Maddox, Bookman. I don't know who else is in that. John even been involved. I think Jim Owen has been involved. So we are committed to that. Jim Owen himself has written an outstanding book called The Victimization of the Believer. We're becoming known as a focal point for this. So in the future, this, which is now a difficulty for us, is going to become just the opposite, one of the flagship programs here. Another point. I believe there was another contributor to the fact that we, we have not... Uh, had the number of students that we ought to have, and that is the failure to offer a computer science minor, a computer science program that can really equip a student in computer sciences for, for the world he's going to have to face when he gets out of the school. So our people right now are in the process of putting that together, and starting in September, we will have a computer science program here at the college. And we're going to make it as fine as it can possibly be. That's a very, very important issue for us. Along that line, we are working on a program called MasterNet, which will fully network the entire campus with computers. Every student's room will have a jack. You'll plug your computer into that jack, and you will be able to do your term papers in your room and have them printed out in the professor's office. You'll be able to bring up the menu uh, from whatever area of the school you want to know, announcements, uh, events, um Articles, you'll be able to access when it's completely done the entire card catalog of the library from your room. All kinds of things that we're working on in this area because we need to come to another level in terms of our capability. Right now, the the wiring is going on even now. The buildings are being wired with the hard wire that it's going to take to carry the system, and we're working on foundation money to do that. Also, we have we have suffered the loss of some faculty, as you well know, uh, Long-time beloved Professor Ed Gruss has retired, and Dewey Bertolini took off for who knows where, Oregon. And then his real heart, he told me, was to go to Israel, because he has a driving passion to see the Jewish kids in the land of Israel come to know Christ, and that's where he wants to end up. And we've lost some other professors just by things like that, and, and we need to replace them. So we're in the process now of trying to find the very finest people that we can find. Now, you're going to meet a new professor next semester, who is coming into our science department, who fits into the category of the kind of people we want here. His name is Dr. Richard Lumsden. And I interviewed him, and it was a fascinating interview. Um, He came to me and he said, I want to teach at your college. And I said, well, why would you want to teach here? He said, because I was looking for a school that was committed to six-day creation. And I've looked everywhere, and I've decided that I need to teach at your school because you are committed to that. Now we're this small college by his standards, but we're committed to six-day creation. Now let me tell you the significance of the man. He has a PhD, I think it's in biology, Lynn, is that what it's in? In biology from Harvard. Not a bad place to get a PhD. Okay? He has been the chairman of the science, the graduate science department of Tulane University. He's into looking in some kind of electronic microscope and seeing the DNA, messing around with chromosomes and weird things like that, that science people do. Anyway, Richard Lumsden, very, very esteemed. The only problem with Richard Lumsden was he was an evolutionist. He was an evolutionist until one day when a girl in his class at Tulane University came to him and said, May I ask you some questions? This is what he told me. And he said, of course you may. And then he said, she proceeded to ask me all the standard questions that Christian students ask, evolutionists. And I gave her all the standard answers. Question after question after question, I gave her the standard evolutionary answer. And you know, he said to me, she never argued, she never said anything except, thank you, sir, very much. I appreciate your time, and walked away. And he said, she left me standing there hearing the echo of my own stupidity. And I said to myself, only an idiot would believe what you just told that girl. And that sent me on a course to find out if creation was true, and through that he became a Christian and a creationist, and of course lost his job, because you can't have anybody teaching science in a university like that who really knows the truth. Just doesn't (laughs) fit. No, you've got to be heavy into error to have that kind of position. You've got to misunderstand the entire universe to teach at that level. (laughs) To say nothing of morality. So he had to go into private business for five years. And you know what else? I don't think he could teach. Because his whole scientific construct had crumbled. And he didn't have a frame of reference anymore. Through these last few years... That has all been restored around the Word of God, and now he has become the number one debater, and he goes to the universities across America and debates the evolutionists. I said, is it challenging? He said, it's easy. I just debate myself. I know all their arguments. <laughs> he came and said, I want to teach in your college. So we prayed about it for about three seconds, and then we signed him up. He'll be here next semester. We're, we're talking about bringing people here I'll tell you something, if you went to Tulane, it's unlikely, even if you were in the program there, that you would ever be taught by him. You might be taught by a graduate assistant. If you're in our science department, you're likely to be taught by three PhDs. So we are moving ahead in these things, and I really believe replacing some of the faculty we lost with some very key faculty is is part of our future. Another factor is economic recession. We're living in a difficult time, the downturn. You know, we're out of the Reagan years. The euphoria of everything is, is going great. And now we're into whatever kind of mess we're in economically. We all know about it. It's not getting any better. Um, and it's there's some things we have to do. we got to help students, all right? We're working on all kinds of plans to make it easier, cheaper, more advantageous for you to come here. By the way, yesterday the Cal State system announced they're going to jack all their rates up again. They're going to go up, I think, by 25 percent. And they'll keep doing that until they can pay for it. It'll just keep getting higher and higher. And by the way, you can go take your courses in a public school, but you're not going to get what you get here. I, uh, sometimes students will say, well, I'm going to COC or I'm going somewhere for my, for my GE courses. Let me tell you, what you get there is worth what you pay. But what you get here is going to be in a context of a Christian comprehension of the world. We're not here just to teach you Bible. We're here to teach you science and math and history and music and anything else from God's perspective. You can't replace that. You may save some bucks in the process, but it's only your life that's at stake. It's only your mind that's at stake. It's only the foundation of your whole living. What's it worth to you to understand every area of human interest from the divine perspective? What's it worth to you to put that in a Christian worldview? That's the question you ask. It's not as simple as bumping over to COC and taking English or history or whatever over there. It's a question of, do I really want to be educated or not? I mean, is money the driving force? Is is it just because I want a little more pocket change or a newer car? I mean, you've got to ask those questions. Those are tough issues. We don't believe that it's the Bible here that alone is going to make a difference in your life. What's going to make a difference in your life is every single thing we teach here, the way it's taught. Don't tell me you can take a science course somewhere else and get out of it what you're going to get from Richard Lumsden. I don't, I don't buy that. How much is it worth to you to talk to... A man to get to know a man to have a mentoring relationship with a man of that kind of stature in the field that he's in how much is it worth to you to sit at the feet of a history teacher who understands history from a biblical viewpoint that's the issue you can't put a price on that we're we're we're, we're concerned about the quality of person we produce here about your character and about your worldview and how you see everything we're not just trying to ram you through here and dump Bible courses on you, so you need to think carefully about what you're doing when you try to stick into the midst of this very carefully crafted education some things that really don't fit. Another thing that we're doing from an academic side is raising the uh, minimum GPA standard to 2.50. Now, those of you who are under that will be able to come in on probation. But then again, as they used to tell me, everybody's on probation anyway. In a sense, if you don't cut it, you don't cut it. But we're raising the GPA from a published 2.0 to 2.5, and I'll tell you why. Because it creates a commitment on our part to a higher level of training for the students who who desire that. There are students out there who have a 4.0 or a 3-point something or other in high school who say, well, I want to go to a school where they have a high commitment to academics. That GPA said something to them. As we elevate that GPA as a standard GPA here, we're going to be sending the message that we are an educational institution and we hold a high standard. We won't become elitist. People can still come in on a probationary basis. That's not going to change. But the perception will be that we'll have a greater commitment to that kind of thing. We're also talking about finding some more scholarship monies, working some exotic plans that are going to help you we would like to try some benefits to retention in other words if you stay here it's going to be cheaper than if you go and come back and we're working on all kinds of things like that that, that are going to be very helpful in moving you through and making it the most reasonable thing then one other deal I, I'm committed and this this is my heart to you I'm committed to the fact that that god is raising up a people across this country and around the world who are committed to the truth of the word of god the way we are sometimes i feel like elijah you know i only i am left but it's not true remember when the lord came and said no no there are thousands who have not bowed the knee to baal and as i get around this country and as i and you're going to know some of them are out there even though you don't see them they're being done in other places i think we have great things ahead of us i think god has his hand on this place You're going to be a part of a great adventure. Some of you who graduate this year are going to be sorry because you got out too early because of what's to come in the future. Pray for us, will you? Let's stand. Father, we thank you so much for the Master's College and the Master's Seminary. We thank you for the 800 students that we have here right now in all of our programs studying. We thank you for the 200 men down at the seminary preparing to preach your word. We thank you for these thousand lives that are in preparation for being used by you in all rains regions and realms of life. God, I just pray first of all for every student's spiritual life that everyone may truly know the savior and walk in the power of the spirit. That everyone may may be learning the word of God and that everyone may excel and commit himself or herself to excellence in the discipline and the field that they're studying here. That wherever it is that they, they work and labor and serve, it might be to make a great difference in that field as well as a great difference for the sake of the kingdom. Pray for faculty members and administration, staff, every person, Father, keep us all focused on your glory and accomplish Your will through us, that Jesus Christ may be lifted up and that His name would be exalted and His kingdom advanced. It's in that name that we pray. Amen.